guys, it's Brant, and I'm back with another The Panel Has Spoken video. And I've got my good friend, Rick, from It's All For You Demon, with me. Thank you. I uh, want to go ahead and put this out of the way at the front of the video. I often say this at the end of the video, but I'm going to say it here at the front. If you have not checked out Rick's channel, It's All For You Demon, please, after this video, jump over there. Check out his channel. Give him a watch his videos, give him a like on his videos, uh, give him thumbs up, and subscribe and hit the notification bell. Uh, give him some love and support for all the awesome work he does on his channel. I thoroughly enjoy it. I look forward to his videos all the time when they come out. And we Thank just you. did one together, the the Wax Night Beer Drinking <laughs> for yes. Carnival Souls, and that was fun. Yeah, and I, I'll mention we probably should have shied away from doing a an album talk because um, it is so panelish. But it was kind of just a test run, and uh, you know we'll we'll have some good topics coming up next time. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to it. And I'm already what I'm going to try to do is uh, I'm going to try to during the the top during the course of our conversations of the video, I'm going to try to drink three beers. So. <laughs> So you'll have a really fun brand by the end of the video, and uh, so I'm gonna have my video. I'm going to have my beers. Some of them lined up right here, and uh, I'm looking forward to the videos in the future. It gives me an excuse to have a beer, and uh, that's always a good thing. So yeah. Okay, so panel spoken. Crazy nights, crazy crazy nights, and crazy crazy panel. Uh, we had 75 of you on the panel, and. Uh, Voting was all over the place. I don't know if you're one of the people who check other people's votings. I know that apparently a lot of you do because there was some ex some exchanges between several of you concerning your lists and concerning what songs you like, what songs you don't like. Um, I saw that happen on Twitter. I saw it happen on YouTube. And uh, I like that. I like people talking about what they like and defending what they like and why they like it. As long as people don't get too confrontational or turn into an asshat. Um, I actually, I'm okay with that. Um, but, uh, the, the voting was real interesting on this and this was a very difficult panel for me to predict. Um, and I'll tell you why, because we're going to talk about our thoughts about the albums right now. Um, this album behind me, I did not own this album when it came out. I had checked out a kiss after Asylum. Guns N' Roses has hit. It took them two years to make this album. Guns N' Roses. And, and it took them... If they were going to take two years, Rick, if they were going to take two years to make an album, they took the wrong two years to make an album. Mm -hmm. Because the music scene in the mid-80s, from 85 to 87, freaking exploded. Mm -hmm. And you had bands out there like Guns N' Roses, Bon Jovi, uh, poison, um, Def Leppard had blew up. I mean, there there was so and there were so many. The competition and got so fierce. And when Guns N' Roses album hit, I remember seeing Welcome to the Jungle before it was a hit. I saw it on MTV late at night, and I went out the next day and I bought the album. I walked down to the record bar. Well, I, well, I drove down to the record bar in my. 1987 Pro-Am Trans-Am with the T-Tops 
and I had the blonde mullet. I may just throw in a picture <laughs> right here for you to see Brant with his blonde mullet in 1987 because you guys got to appreciate this. You got Brant exotic. Oh, dude, I'm telling you right now, man, if I had a Fu Manchu going on, I'd have been Brant exotic. I would have. I would have. Somebody needs to, and I don't even care if you do. Somebody needs to Photoshop me in a Fu Manchu in on my director. I, I um, want that goddamn appetite for destruction. <laughs> yeah. Hey there, Sejona. Fuck yeah, I want that. Uh, I want that appetite for destruction. That Carol, that bitch Carol Baskins. <laughs> oh, oh man, we are dating this video right now with that man. The the Joe Exotic. Thank God for Joe Exotic. Free Joe Exotic that he has been. Here for us during this quarantine because we're all going a little crazy um but uh so but i remember i drove down to the record bar eastridge mall walked in saw my friend sejona who worked there ex topless dancer and said who the hell is singing this song Derek? and i couldn't even tell i was like he's going knees knees and she's like it's guns and roses and she took me over to it and i just remember seeing the album cover and I was just, and I flipped it over on the back, and I was like, holy shit, look at these dudes. And from track one, I think once I started listening to Appetite for Destruction, I don't think I listened to another album for six months. Mm -hmm. I mean, Appetite for Destruction just floored me. It was everything that a band in that era was supposed to be. And then on the outskirts, I was expanding my musical boundaries a little bit because in, in, um, as a senior in high school, a guy that I was in a band with, he introduced me to Metallica. Believe it mm. or not, I'd never really heard of Metallica. I didn't run in that realm. And he introduced me to freaking Master of Puppets. And oh my God, Master of Puppets was an amazing album. And so mm -hmm. I got into speed metal a little bit. Metallica, Anthrax, started expanding a little bit. So my... And I and and I also when I was a senior in high school, I dated a girl who was younger than me. She was a sophomore, but she was an old soul when it came to music. And she introduced me to bands. Like I said, I know this sounds crazy, but I had a very small bubble up up, up to this point. But she introduced me to bands like the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath. So I had all these my my musical footprint had gotten huge. And in 1987, Kiss wasn't even a blip on the radar when this album came out. Um, I heard Crazy Crazy Nights, and I'm like, huh, they sound like everybody else now. And I pretty much, you know, I, I heard the hits. I heard the songs they released. They, they blipped on my radar about that much, but I didn't buy this album. I have only recently bought this album within the last year. And I, Rick, as I was showing you before we started filming, this is my album, and it is still sealed. It's never been opened. And Paul, what the hell, man? The thong, really? The thong song? I mean, come on. <laughs> I, had my, I, I just had my finger on Paul Stanley's junk. But, um, you know, this, this is what everybody else was doing. So Kiss was going to try to do it, too. And notice uh, Gene's placement of his bass. Yes. Yeah, he's holding it like it's his mm -hmm. his his uh man, manhood. Mm -hmm. Um and uh but I'm gonna go ahead and be honest with you. Uh 
when I finally did go and start listening to this album when I did my reviews last year of it, I was not kind to this album. Um, a matter of fact, when I by the time I was done with all my ranking and my scoring, this album was dead last. And I remember saying at the time, if you go back and watch that video, that I quote-unquote hated many songs on this album. I hated, I loathed, I think I actually used the word loathe, like Jim Carrey, loathe entirely. I mean, I hated some of the songs on this album. But I can't do these panels and be the figurehead of these panels if I am not willing to be fair. So what I did was I looked at albums that was out at the time and listened to some albums that was out at the time when this album came out a few months before, a few months after, eh, they fit the album fit the landscape of what was mid middle of the road, Bon Jovi, Warrant, Poison, Def Leppard, you know, that type of stuff. So I wasn't gonna fault them on that. KISS was riding that wave, following that trend, you know. So I wasn't gonna fault them on that. So I'm not faulting the songs on that. Then what I did, I'm telling you my process here, I decided that this album from 8 o'clock Monday morning, this past Monday, to today, or yesterday actually, this was the only album I listened to. I listened to it on my way to work, I listened to it at work, on my way home, and sometimes in the evening. I redid my room in here, my studio yesterday. We painted a bathroom, we worked outside some, I worked in the yard. This album was either playing on my bows, blaring, or in my head, uh, in my headsets. And uh, I tell you what, man, I can go ahead and tell you right now. I don't want to get into too much about, but my view of this album has changed. And I can tell you right now, when my pool is open here in about a month, month and a half, this album's going to be playing because this album is summer fun. This album, I wish I still had my freaking 1987 red pro-am with the t-tops because the t-tops would be off and i'd be going down the road drinking a coke and and this and this album would be playing because there's so many songs on here that just have that summer feel to them mm -hmm. um and so i have a different opinion of this album and i i cannot actually say that i hate any song on this album now there are some that i like way less than others and we're going to talk about that. But we'll get into that. But so now that I've been so long-winded, we'll let my guests talk. And Rick, I know this is kind of a... I don't know really where this album... I know we're hot in the shade lands for you, but yeah. I'm not really sure about this one. I want to hear about this one with you, your experiences, thoughts. Yeah, so in the game of... In the baseball game of Kiss, um, this album would have been me sitting in the dugout but not playing yet i would have been there um my friend danny you know he had a camaro and white snake was in his car boston third stage was in his car guns and roses was in his car crazy nights was in his car and it was just very summer music like you said and i just remember cruising around with him all the time and hearing these songs, you know, I wasn't a Kiss fan. And I think this was kind of Danny's 
re-dive back into Kiss because like he'd listen to this and then he'd go back to Asylum. And then a year later would be his introducing the band to me. But this album is very summer to me. It's very, it's very special. It's not one of my favorite 80s records. I like Asylum more than this record, but I do, I do enjoy it. Um, it's very cool that you mentioned it took two years to make because I was thinking about this in the 80s, this VHS release exposed would have been like our double platinum of the 70s. This, is, this would have been the tied you over from Asylum to the new album. You know, they, they had to keep something out there. Because I, I was thinking, because inside the cassette tape is an ad for Exposed. And I thought, it's odd that they didn't just wait a little longer to include the Crazy Night videos in this. Because this is more a promotional tool for Asylum, if you think about it. But it came out later. And that's kind of cool. It's like a kind of like a tied you over period of the 80s. And last night, I love this album cover. This is my favorite album cover of the 80s. Of the non-makeup period, this is my favorite album cover. And I was listening to this record last night and imagining Kiss trying to fit into that Sunset Strip era. And I... It, for, I'm 45 years old. I've never thought of this. Boom. Look at the uh, placement of every member. I mean, it's not exact, but you got to admit, they had to have thought, you know, what's everyone else doing? Let's follow suit. And they followed suit pretty well. Every, you know, the guitars on this album have that process sound that everyone had throughout that Sunset Strip era. And, uh, it's it's a it's a fun record. Yeah, definitely. It's funny that you mention that because uh, that was another album that was huge to me. Um, I loved Poison's first album. I remember oh, yeah. I remember a, a, a schoolmate in uh, I remember a schoolmate giving me shit over look what the cat dragged in, and she's like, "Ooh, look what the cat dragged in! Looks like a bunch of bitches or whatever." And I was like, man, I'm like, they actually look like girls. They actually, they actually I, rock, man. They poison and yeah. warrant, and those bands a, like that that get a lot of I, shit, they rocked. I'm not ashamed to admit this. The first time I saw an ad for "Look What the Cat Dragged In" in Metal Edge when I was in middle school, I thought they were girls. I thought, wow, these girls are pretty hot. <laughs> I mean, I'm not ashamed to admit it. And of course, when I found out they were guys, I was like, oh, okay, well, and. Not to get off the subject, but yes, that record, that record is is good from beginning to end. Yeah, well, I mean, it's you know, and I, I love when me and you kind of linger in a certain spot, even though we're talking about we're not directly talking about Crazy Nights, we still are, because that just kind of goes to show you that the pool that this album was thrown into, and Kiss had, they were like I said, I made the statement earlier. When I listened to albums around the time, I went on Wiki and I looked up albums released from this time to this time across the board. They sounded like almost every middle of the road, mainstream, hair metal band, Sans Guns N' Roses, which yeah. is what I think mean Guns N' Roses do like they did. Bands like Guns N' Roses and Tesla, 
Tesla came out around this time and was mm-hmm. wearing plain clothes and Guns N' Roses came out around this time and Axel had his hair teased in the first video and then mm-hmm. straight in video, every video after. Yep. It's like they almost realized, okay, we're going to separate ourselves from this hair metal shit. Mm-hmm. You know? Even though they're still considered a hair metal band, I always thought it was really weird that Axel was teased uh, in that and then every video after his hair was straight mm-hmm. and you never saw the tease Again. And you mentioned and you mentioned Tesla. It's it's weird to think you take a Crazy Nights song back then and then listen to like Little Susie. They're that night and day difference. Mm-hmm. And it, it man, it was so much fun back then. That Sunset Strip era, it did have to end. It really did because it started just producing silliness. Mm-hmm. But it was so much fun for that period because there was so much you could dive into. And look at what Motley was doing during this time. They were mm-hmm. in their, they were in their theater of pain slash girls, girls, girls slash Aaron. And, and Motley reintroduced themselves. They reintroduced their image. They reintroduced, uh, they reinvented their image. They reinvented their sound with every album. And, you mm-hmm. know, and so even Motley was was one of those people that kind of did the same thing. Kind of they they led their own trends, but they still laid equally in that landscape with everybody else. And then, of course, you know, uh, the album that was Bon Jovi's big breakthrough, uh, Slippery When Wet in 1987, and then New Jersey. uh, I mean, those two albums right there, you know, I think me and you talked about one time before that, uh, I don't know if it was me and you or somebody else where Kiss used to sit in meetings and go, okay, what's what's Bon Jovi doing? Mm-hmm. What's what's and then he had at bands out there like I said, man, you can't you can't shake a stick at them. Rat, I mm-hmm. mean, you know. and and Bon Jovi was on Mercury as well, right? Yeah. So they yeah. were label mates. So that had to be a blow to Gene and Paul mm-hmm. to be the icons of Kiss and not a priority at your label. I mean, they, I'm sure they were a priority, but Bon Jovi was the yeah. shit at that time. So. Mm-hmm. That had to be a blow. That had to be a, we need to follow what they're doing. Yeah. And I, and I tell you, I don't own that Kiss Exposed video. I'm going, I've actually been looking for it on VHS, on YouTube. I want to get a good copy of it, a good copy, a good outside uh, cover copy of it too. So I'm, that's one of the things I'm looking to recollect this year. Um, but that video, man, I do remember the summer that came out, my friend, me and my friend Scott Henderson and Chris Fowler, who's no longer with us, we used to watch that video. I think that we could at one point in time cite it from, mm. recite it from, from beginning to end. And so much fun. The author, Beat it, Yahoo. Yeah. The, the, um, the, the women in it, uh, you know, didn't realize at the time you look them up now and, oh yeah, they were porn stars, Blondie mm-hmm. B's in it and. Uh, there's another one there in there that's in it, and you know they were porn star, putting in porn a few years later, and it's like, oh, hey, there's the girl that was in the Kiss video. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. But what we do want to get into is get into the panel. All right, so we had 75 members on this panel, and I'm going to run down through them really quick. So we had me and Rick. In my head, and it's all for you, Demon. From Facebook, Paul Bartolino, Matt Yucci, Carlos Garcia, Ray Kelly, Mark Hilliard, Scotty Sky. Instagram, we had Eric J. Valentine, Kate, or Jake Jackson 7, 
J. Spence Metal, A.J. Zetro, 1975, Tony P., 318 KWS 40. Then from Twitter, Tom Dust, Kimchi Chris, our boy Kimchi Chris. Be sure to check his channel out. Matthew Smith, Aladio, Sam Loomis, R.C. Campbell, Paul Teplius, Darren Helliwell, Tony Rod, Bree Strutter, Bill Sharp, Jack Skellington, David King, Vincent Marone Author, Luis Fernando, Andy, Mike and Fresno, Katie, Christina, Jen Semenzu, Julian Davies, D88 Racing, Ren Grimms from YouTube, Aiden Pro Dalton, Scott Epperly, Mixie Horror and Pop Culture, Stephen Goodman, Superkiss1200, Les Wadley, Jay Lee, Tom S., Jeremy Kimona, Travis Molgod, Trevor Bullock, Greek Freak, Sublime130, Mikkel D., Kiss Carolina, Hard Rock Metalhead, Ray H., Perpetual Art, Marty White, John Howard, Sandy Graziano, Jesse Ray, Steve Revis, Emily Graziano, X Josh, Pins Fan 77, Andy Colt 777, Two Gay Dads, Demetrius K, That Toy Bonnie Guy, Gregory Pegg, Joel Pegg, Dwight Manning, Hard Rock Revere, John O, Kissin' Time, Jay Reed, Rick R, Rocker L0270, and Future Squash 767. So that's our panel for Crazy Nights. So, um, want to note a couple things before we get into the actual album. I just took some notes about it. It's 11 tracks. Um, albums were getting longer. Kiss had, uh, uh, because of CDs. And the next album would be Kiss's longest album, Hot in the Shade, what, 15 tracks? Yep. Um, more's not always better. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they had... Um, so Paul and Paul and Gene and Eric and Bruce Kulick basically played on um, the songs. Uh, Bruce played keyboards. He also played the bass guitar on Come Hell or High Water. Phil Ashley played keyboards also. Tom Kelly did backing uh, vocals. They had six outside writers for this album. And Ron Nevinson was the producer. And he was coming off of producing Hearts, Bad Animals. The album he produced before this one. He had also recently produced Survivor, Jefferson Starship, Ozzy Osbourne's The Ultimate Sin. And I remember when Bark at the Moon for Ozzy and when The Ultimate Sin came out for Ozzy. And I love both those albums. I've not mm -hmm. done them in my 80s review yet. I think we're going to, my 80s retrospect, I think what I'm going to do is through the suggestion of the panel and through the suggestion of viewers, is I'm going to revamp that, and my 80s retrospectives from moving on are actually going to be panel videos. So it's going to be, hey, you can vote in your songs, and then I'm going to give my retrospect on it as well. Um, and Rick, if you want to be involved in that, you can be involved in it too. I'd love to have you. Um, but um, talking about Ron Nevinson, I would read that um, Ozzy talked about, I, I think I heard it, on Hair Nation or something one time or on something where Ozzy was talking about how he was not happy with the way The Ultimate Sin worked out, the way it turned out. He don't like the sound of it. And he really credited everything to what he didn't like about it to Ron Nevinson, the producer. That's uh, funny because that's the, that's the record I like. That's that because that to me that's his Sunset Strip era. Record. I love I love Ultimate Sin. I, uh -huh. I actually love the sound of it. I like the way the drums sound. I like the way the guitars sound. I mean, mm -hmm. I love Ultimate Sin. I remember I had a ColecoVision and I remember playing ColecoVision and playing all these cool games 
and ColecoVision was the first one, to, the first game system before the Nintendo to really bring home arcade style graphics. Oh, it was yeah. the step uh-huh. up from the Atari and had those weird ass controllers um, with the buttons and the keypad and the joystick and the buttons on either side. But uh, I remember playing games, playing Donkey Kong and Minor 2049 or whatever and all kinds of other games, listening to the Ultimate Sin. Smurf. Smurfs, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and that's a great album. We'll get into that in a panel uh, video in the future. Um, but I've heard a lot. I've also seen online a lot of fans talking about that they fought um, uh, Ron Nevinson for this album sounding the way it does, for it to be in as pop metal as it is and they also fought him extremely for turning down and rejecting sword and stone and time traveler many of them argue that he should have been included on the album and i love both of those songs but i would agree here's the thing if you put them on it would have been 13 tracks and yes some people say well you could take away some of the weaker tracks but I still think that the weaker tracks that a lot of people would have felt like maybe you take away some of Gene's. And to me, I feel like there's too many Paul tracks on this album. And we'll get into one thing I want to talk about is I hate the tracking on this album. I hate three songs in a row for Paul and then two songs for Gene and then back to two or three songs for Paul. Um, and Paul outnumbers Gene on this album I think two to one or something like that. He's he's Paul's got way more songs than Gene does, um, but tracking on it, I'm not really a big fan of. Um, but we'll go ahead and get into it. So number eleven, Rick. What did you pre- and I had a hard time predicting this. I'm just going to go ahead yeah. and tell you. What did you predict the panel was going to choose for uh, eleven? Good girl gone bad. Good Girl Gone Bad for you, okay? I thought for 11, they were going to choose Thief in the Night. Mm. And um, Thief in the Night, by the way, I'll talk about it whenever we get to it. Um, But at 263 points, at number 11, the panel chose Bang Bang You. No one picked it as their favorite. I picked it as my eighth. And I actually like this song, but I hate the chorus. I freaking hate the chorus. I can't even, I don't even like saying bang, bang, you. It's just so, it's a triple cheese pizza and somebody took it out of the oven and put two more layers of cheese on it. I mean, it's like, okay, I know you're trying to be 80s, but you can overdo it. And I think Bang Bang You, when it gets to the chorus, it's like, okay, you're trying too hard. You're just trying too hard. You are in your mid-30s, pushing 40. You know, um, you don't have to try so hard. But I love, I love the verses. I love the riff. Um, but I'm just not a, I'm not a big fan of the chorus at all. Mm-hmm. So Bang Bang You is eight for me. Where does Bang Bang You fall for you? It is number 10. This is almost my I can't do it song. Um, I'm I'm with you, the chorus. The one thing I love is I love the reference to Love Gun. And I love I love the title because I really hope Paul was looking at a love gun. And I mean there's two bangs on a love gun. So I really hope 
that makes me kind of like the song is imagining Paul like looking at this and being like, oh, bang, bang, shoot you down with my love gun. Yeah, that that makes me like it. But it, this is almost a I can't do it track. Number 10. All right. So what did you predict the panel choose for number 10? Um, when did, uh, I'm sorry. When your walls come down. Okay. I predicted for number 10, good girl gone bad. And with 269 points, the panel chose at number 10, when your walls come down. So you're right. Hmm. Two panelists, Paul Teplius and ex-Josh, picked when your walls come down as their favorite track. Me, I picked... When Your Walls Come Down as my um, least favorite, my number 11. But I don't hate it. Um, I have my notes here beside it. 80s Summer Soundtrack. It just has, a lot of these have that 80s Summer Soundtrack, like they could be a montage for a, a, a Karate Kid or any 80s movie that was coming out at the time. And I saw a lot of people who, whenever I was researching Sword and Stone and and uh, the other song, uh, Time Traveler, they were going, man, these could be Rocky montages. So their, their songs had that anthem, you know, type sound lyrics to it that was real popular in a lot of the 80s movies, especially in montages. But um, When You Walls Come Down For Me, it's 11. It's not bad but I just like 10 songs more than it. Mm-hmm. It's number nine for me. The I always listen to it because I want to hear Reason to Live. And so on vinyl, you know, just start the record and get through this track and then you hear Reason to Live. So I always hear it. I I can't stand those ands. The, <laughs> uh, can't, I can't do that, but I do love... Yeah. yeah. I do love the uh, pre-chorus. You know, you got to look before you leap part. Mm-hmm. I do love that. And it's very funny. I have in my notes another 80s comedy montage song. <laughs> so, yeah, it's 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 a filler song. I don't hate it, but, you know, it's just there. Yeah. They could have had Sword and Stone. In my opinion, they could have had Sword and Stone or Time Traveler in this place of that song. Okay, so prediction for number nine. Thief in the Night. Thief in the Night. Okay. My prediction for number nine is No, No, No. And I actually, I got a chuckle. One of the panelists said the Kiss developed a stuttering problem with this album. No, 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 Crazy, Crazy Nights, Bang, Bang, You. <laughs> I was like, that's funny. <laughs> that's, that's, I never thought of that. It's funny. Um. So yeah, number nine, I picked. Uh, I predicted no, 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 with three hundred and sixty-three points. The panelists chose at number nine, my way. Um, two panelists, Eric J. Valentine and Jake Jackson Seven, picked my way as their number one song. Now, I picked my way at number nine. And this kind of shows what listening to this album constantly on repeat for the last 
seven days can do. When I did my review, I excuse me. When I did my review, I specifically went back and looked to see what my least song was, least favorite song. I did it with my son, and I tore this song a new one. I said, and I have said in past videos, I hate my way. It is the one of the freaking worst Kiss songs ever written. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I have to rescind that now um, because I like this song. Uh, I I love the um, I love the verses. I love the pre-chorus, and the only thing that I don't like is the 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 chorus because Paul gets up in the rafters. I've got on my notes. I really like the verses. I like the pre-chorus. Paul in the rafters for the chorus kills me. When he gets up in there, he gets in, and I said this in my thing before, he gets up in there, man, my, my eye starts, my optical nerve and my, my head starts twitching. Um, but that's what pushes this song down. He could have sang the exact same thing that he did because I love the words of the chorus. I don't like the performance of it. If he would have picked a different way to sing the chorus... This song would have scored probably three or four points higher. So, but my way for me is uh, number nine. My way is my number eleven. I have in my notes. This is a bad montage song. Um, I just can't do it. I've never been able to do it. It's the one track I I always skip on this record. I, it's tolerable, but. I just, it's not one of my favorites at all. So it's number 11. Yeah. This is a B, this is a low budget B, B series movie montage. They couldn't afford the good songs. So <laughs> USA up all night movie. <laughs> and another thing that kills me on this initial kit initially killed me. And I guess once I got submerged in it, I didn't notice so much, but I remember the very first time I heard this song when it started off, and it hit those real heavy keyboards at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, so now they're trying to be Van Halen from 1984. And, you know, be Eddie Van Halen. They're going to turn Bruce into Eddie Van Halen, which they do in a lot of places on this album. Mm -hmm. um, there's another, there's a song coming up where he very much channels his inner Eddie. Um, but the keyboards on this song, they're just so in your face. You know, there's keyboards throughout this whole album, but they're mixed back. Hell, even Metallica's Black album has keyboards on it. But mm -hmm. if you do it in the right way and you put them in the right landscape of the mix, mm -hmm. keyboards can fill in a little bit. Yeah, I realized that um, my freshman year, like learning to play guitar, and you want to you want to learn the Crazy Nights riff. That's an awesome riff. You you learn it, and you're like, wow. This album is really over-synthesized. Like, there is a lot of background padding to this record. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, and there's another song we're going to talk about, something I saw on social media, and we'll talk about it whenever we get to it. Um, so, yeah, so that's it. for That's, uh, that's uh, number nine for both of us. Well, it was number nine for me is number 11 for you. So we are up to number eight. I said uh, Hell or High Water for the panel. Okay. All right. I said Hell or High Water for the panel. All right. So 
<clears throat> number eight with 370 points. The panel chose number eight, Hell or High Water. Hmm. Uh, one panelist, Rocker L0270, picked Hell or High Water as their favorite. I picked Hell or High Water as number six. Uh, I actually really like this song a lot. I like the verses. I like the pre-courses, and I like the chorus. I love, I especially love whenever it comes in on the chorus and it comes in on that big anthemous, Come hell or high water, I'm going to love you. And when he says, I'm going to get to you, and he has a few oh yeahs in there. Um, I really, and I, this is, but the beginning, the way Gene sings at the very beginning, that whole, here I am all alone. I actually like that. You don't hear Gene sing like that too much. Mm -hmm. and But then when he breaks into that, to you win or lose, you know, he kind of steps it up a little bit. And then when he gets into the chorus, he steps it up a little more. He's got a couple good screams in there. It's got a good bridge. I mean, it's actually a pretty well thought out Gene song, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I score Hell or High Water. For me, I score at six. Yeah, I scored at number seven. To me, Gene had solo album Gene, where he's very Beatle-esque. And then Gene, like Dynasty Unmasked, turned into like suave Gene, where he has like charisma, Naked City, where, you know, he has that, you know, is it my money? And that's what this song has. It has that that perfect suaveness to it. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, during that chorus, you know, the and I'm going to love you, wrap my arms around you, and those oh yeahs. I mean, this is a great track. I play this track, and I sing along to it all the time. Looking now, I'm, it's odd I ranked it so low, but yeah, I put it at seven, but I do, I love this song. Very good. All right. So that brings us up to number seven. Um, I said my way for the panel. So you chose my way for the panel. Uh, me for number seven, I said when your walls come down for the panel. Um, and what the panel chose at number seven with 398 points, they chose no, no, no. Four panelists, Luis Fernando, Luis Fernando, Ryan Grimes, John O, and Future Squash 767 picked No, No, No as their number one song. I picked No, No, No as my number two song. I freaking love this song. From Bruce's intro to when it kicks in with that double bass and the drums just kind of Eric doing random stuff and then it kicking in and... Bruce doing that hammer on and hammer off eruption almost type sounding stuff. I don't care if it sounds like Eddie Van Halen. I don't care. It's Eddie Van Halen in a Kiss song and it's rocking. It's a rock guitar inside of Kiss song. But then whenever they, you know, whenever Gene starts singing and it's just the drums, and then whenever the, the they come back in, you, this ha, this song has fat bass on it. That I love. This is one of the songs I was listening to on my bows yesterday while I was cleaning my room. And when that low-end bass guitar come in and you could hear the fret on the strings, I was like, oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. So I know a lot of people hate this song. 
Uh, it actually did better than I thought it was going to, um, which I'm happy to see. But the the votes on it was polarizing, man. They were either picking it, people picking it up near the top or down near the bottom. You see it didn't have much support from the very top, uh, only, only four panelists. But, uh, yeah, man, no, 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 I love it. This is a fun song. This is a good, to me, this is a Windows Down driving song. This song would definitely be getting jammed this summer when it's hot outside. And uh, it's a great, great summer song to me. So, no, no, no is number two. I'd put it at number six. Um, I rank it fairly high for Bruce's playing alone. Um, great, great guitar work. To me, it's a little too much. It lacks the integrity of like a fits fits like a glove or exciter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's got that frantic pace, which is great, but it just didn't have the heart of like lick it up frantic pace songs. But I do love Bruce's playing, and and as a guitar player, I mean that was you just played that over and over again that intro rewind rewind rewind. That's you know the. Eddie Van Halen finger tapping at at its finest in a Kiss song. I do love the fact that this spawned this song spawned a uh, jean shirt with the uh, "It's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it." Mm-hmm. That's awesome. But yeah, it's number six for me. It's kind of middle of the road. Um, not my all time favorite song, but like you said, it's a windows down summer jam song. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you want to kick off a party, this is a track to do it. Mm-hmm. And I love when he does what he would continue to do in songs like Domino, where Gene talks when he talks mm-hmm. in that little, that, yeah, you know, that low voice he talks in. I love whenever when I love when he does that. That's great. Um, yeah, it, this is not as good as Fits Like a Glove. It is not as good as um, songs off of Animalize. Songs off of it's almost like it's. You know, because we had our first song like this. We saw it from Gene on Lick It Up. And then we saw another one on Animalize. And then we saw another one on Asylum. So now we're down to fourth generation Gene trying to write his Fuck Me, Suck Me song. Um, which I'm not a, like I said, I'm a, I'm a fan of those types of songs from Gene. Especially during this era. Because that's what, that's what Sunset Strip music was about. And mm. so I like seeing it. But yeah, it is a copy of a copy of a copy at this point in time. So, I wonder what it would have sounded like non-produced by Ron Nevinson. Like, with a little more, you know, harder edge guitar. No more balls, what it no more balls like. yeah. in the trunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would have probably sounded different. Um, so, uh, let's see. So now we are up to number six. I said, I'll fight hell to hold you. Okay. I predicted at number six that the panel was going to choose Bang Bang You. And number six, with 410 points breaking into the 400s, 410 points, the panel chose at number six, Thief in the Night. Five panelists, Mick C, Super Kiss 1200, Kiss Carolina, Hard Rock Metalhead, Demetrius K, and Kissing Time picked Thief in the Night as their number one song. I picked Thief in the Night as seven. I and somebody said it, and I when I saw it, I was like, "That's right." 
this is sounds like a it could have been on creatures uh it has a creatures even lick it up type of sound to it because those two albums have a very sisterish uh type of sound to me a one a part one and a part two um i love that riff though i love that dun 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 dun. I, i love that um i love it i could hear uh the sound it has i could almost hear like uh um, Brian Adams singing this song. I actually looked to see if Brian Adams or Mitchell had any credits on here, and Adam Mitchell does, but not on Thief in the Night. It's Mitch Westman um, because it has that same sound as Rock and Roll Hell or something like that. I have my mention on here. Thief in the Night reminds me of Rock and Roll Hell. It has that feel to it. I'm not saying mm-hmm. it sounds like it, but it has that feel to it. Just as soon as Gene starts singing. And plus, this has a lot of that vocal stuff that I really love that Gene does. Um, when he goes, all right. You know, and anytime Gene does stuff that he's done throughout the tapestry of his career, and it throws you back to, I remember the first time I heard Gene go, yeah, yeah. You know, it kind of throws you back to that. And it's a little sentimental value for me. So, um, but yeah, uh, I like it. I think it's a great song. So Thief in the Night comes in at seven for me. It is my number two pick. Um, you know, Gene wrote this for Wendy O. Williams on the, you know, her law, you know, the Lost Kiss album, which would have been right after Creatures. You know, that album featured Paul, Ace, Eric, and Gene. Um, I like Gene's version better than Wendy O. Williams. Her version's a little punkish, which, I mean, that's what she is. Um, I like Gene's suaveness again on this record. Like, her version is very raw and, you know, you know, like punk. Gene has that suaveness. The oohs and the uhs are great in this song. This song has strut. It has attitude. It's a wonderful closer. And... As a Gene song, it's I think it's one of his shining moments on this record. It's my number two choice, so this is my favorite Gene song on this album. If I played the Wendy Williams version and the Gene version back or the Kiss version back to back, I always go with the Kiss version. It's fun to hear the Wendy Williams version because it it is so kind of raw and punkish. Her version totally reminds me of uh, the way it starts out. Totally reminds me of Youth Gone Wild by Skid Row, but uh, yeah, this is a great, this is a great song, and it just has balls to it. I love it. Number two for me. All right, so that brings us to the top five. What you, what you predict for number five? Reason to live. Reason to live. Top, um, let's see, um, my prediction for slot five was I'll fight hell to hold you. Um, at number five, with 439 points, the panel, the panel chose, at number five, Good Girl Gone Bad. Five panelists, Aladio, Jen Siminsu, Mikkel D., Steve Revis, and Joel Pegg, picked Good Girl Gone Bad as their favorite song. I picked Good Girl Gone Bad as my tenth favorite song. Um, it has an early, I've got in my notes, an early 80s sound, and... 10 sounds bad, but it's not. Um, and uh, I actually like Good Girl Gone Bad. It's another, it's a very 
I don't want to steal words out of your mouth, but it's another one of those suave Gene songs. He used, It has a very awesome bridge to it. It almost felt like Gene, he may have not been coming up with his best material, but I felt like he was still trying. He was... Mm-hmm. Uh, his songs at least have a construction to them and a and a structure to them that it they don't sound like they're slapped together. They just are not the strongest riffs, not the strongest material. The production is not the greatest, and but at least I don't get the feeling that he's not trying uh, out of any of his songs on this album, uh, whether they come off being filler or not. But I like Good Girl Gone Bad. I love that good girl, good, all right, show me the way. I mean, I mm-hmm. like the way he sings in this. Uh, mm-hmm. that he does a lot of that, that as of a child, and that guitar, like, that stuff like that has that early, and just the riff, it's like has an early, it's like this song should have been released five years before it came mm-hmm. out. It kind of has an unmasked feel to it. Uh, it does. It really does. Could have been on unmasked. It really could have. Um, so, uh, but for me, um, "Good Girl Gone Bad" comes in at number ten. Yeah, it's number five for me. I do enjoy it. It's uh, it's nothing to write home about, but nothing to skip either. It's sandwiched between two amazing songs. <laughs> You know, you got Reason to Live, Girl Gone Bad, and then Turn on the Night. So it always gets played in my house. But it's, you know, it's just, it's a very good, like you said, you summed it up perfectly. This isn't the best Gene material, but it felt like he's trying. At least he's, he's got credibility to these songs, even though it's, even if it's cheesy credibility. Mm -hmm. All right. So it starts to get interesting. So let's. Uh, what's the prediction for number four? I said no, no, no. All right. My prediction for number four is reason to live. And at five hundred twenty-one points, breaking into the five hundred mark, five hundred twenty-one points at number four. The panel chose. I'll fight hell to hold you. Uh, ten panelists, Paul Bertolino, Matt Ucci, Tony Rod, Stephen Goodman, Les Wadley, Trevor Bullock, Sublime 130, Ray H., Perpetual Art, John Howard, picked I'll Fight Hell to Hold You as their number one song. Um, me, I picked I'll Fight Hell to Hold You as my number three song. Now, if there is any song on this album that moved up the highest in my preferences from me continuously listening to this album, it's been this song. Because I think I probably put this song down near the bottom of my way simply because by the time you get to the chorus, Paul is swinging from the rafters again. But the words to this song is amazing. This is a Paul Stanley construction. If he would have just toned it down a little, but... If it had toned it down a little in the chorus, this would have probably moved up to my number two. It would have probably beat out No, No, No. It wouldn't have moved to my number one. Um, This song, I actually found myself singing along to this song 
uh, learn the words to this song. I can tell you right now, 80% of the songs on this album, I do not know the words. But there are three that I learned the words to just because they they rose to the top being my favorite. Um, I'll Fight Hell to Hold You is one of them. This to me is like, if you just look at the words of this, it's an amazing song. This would be a great song. It, this could be the anthem for people that are um, having a relationship that they're really trying to stay together. They may be separated by distance or they may be separated by hardships or something like that. But the statement, I'll fight hell to hold you, is just, that's an amazing statement. And the words in this, and like I said, it still sounds like it could have been in an 80s movie. Um, but man, I love, I, and the, the pre-course of this, where it, where it breaks into that, um, I'm going to be here no matter the cost, what, you know, wherever, that whole part. And then it goes into that you. Like I said, he's up there. And he's up there higher on the second course than he is on the first. <laughs> but great solo. Um, but yeah, this song, man, this song really kind of got to me uh, over the last week. It moved way up, way up for me. So I can't believe I'm saying that num- I'll Fight Hell to Hold You is my number three favorite song on this album. It is my uh, number eight. I do love this song. And like you said, that pre-chorus is a defining moment in this song. It just builds. I read an interview just recently that Paul actually spends a ton of time on lyrics and like hours and hours and hours going over the lyrics of a song, which is kind of odd if you think about 80s Sunset Strip era rock. You don't really think like, really you you know dissect dissect lyrics like that but this is a great example i think of his devotion to a song and how to like you said construct a song i i believe it was in your review of hot in the shade that you mentioned hot in the shade was a lot of crazy night leftovers this song reminds me of a Hot in the Shade song. And I think that's why I do like it. It ranks low, which is, I look at my ranking, I, I don't know what I was thinking <laughs> when, I, when I submitted my rank. But yeah, this song always reminds me of a Hot in the Shade song. Kind of a King of Hearts type song, and I love it. Mm-hmm. But it's number eight for me, but I do like it. I do enjoy this song a lot. This is one of those songs, most of the songs, if you were getting your nutritional value of your food from the lyrics of this album, you're going to starve on about 9 out of 11 of them, maybe <laughs> ten, maybe 8 out of 11 of them. There's really only 2 or 3 songs on this album that you're going to get nutritional value out of that's going to sustain you, you know, and I'll Fight Hell to Hold You is one of them. It really is. It if you there's a there's a video on YouTube that you can go and I'm one of those people. Yeah, I like to read lyrics. I'm I'm a lyrics person, but I like to pull up a lyric video too. You know, search "Kiss I'll Fight Hell to Hold You" lyrics. There's a really good one that comes up, and it's something about reading the lyrics and listening to the song as they're singing them and reading the lyrics as they're singing them. I used to do that in my room. I'd put the album on, I'd sit there, and I'd read 
the line as they were singing it. I wouldn't read ahead. I'd read the line as they were singing it. And seeing what they're saying and hearing what they're saying, on this song, it's magical. It really is. Uh, so, yeah. All right. So that's enough of that sappy stuff. Um, so I thought <laughs> Hell to Hold You uh, was number three for me. Um, and uh, number eight for you? Mm-hmm. All right. So that brings us to the top three. I thought the panel would choose Bang Bang You for number three. Okay. I predicted that the panel was going to choose Turn On The Night for number three. Um, but the panel chose with 596 points almost into the 600s. The panel chose 596 points at slot three. They chose Reason to Live. Hmm. 14 panelists, Carlos Garcia, Mark Hilliard, Matthew Smith, Bree Strutter, Bill Sharp, Jack Skellington, David King, Jillian Davies, D88 Racing, Jesse Ray, that Toy Bonnie guy, Dwight Manning, and Rick R. picked that picked Reason to Live as their um, number one song. And I joined them in that ranking. Uh, Reason to Live is, to me, to me, the best song on this album. Um, if I've got my stereo turned up on seven, when reason to live comes on, it goes up to eight, nine, ten. Uh, this was the song that got played the loudest every single time I listened to it. It was the one that I sang along to the loudest every single time. And I know it's a ballad and I know it's got the real heavy keyboards in it. Uh, but even if you take away the keyboards, it's got an amazing solo from Bruce. But even if you take away the keyboards, it's the chords in it is great. Bruce, I mentioned this earlier, I alluded to it. Bruce just posted on his social media him and his wife singing this song on their Twitter account, I believe. Yeah, it's beautiful acoustically. He's playing that acoustic guitar. It looks like he played in Unplugged. Um, and him and his wife are he's she's singing it and he's playing it. And the chords are just beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. this is a this is an awesome song, but this kind of reminds me of a hold on to the night type thing. It only reminds me of a Richard Mark, which I was a huge Richard Marks fan. That is not a slight. Um, no. <laughs> I'm with you. This, this reminds me kind of a hold on to the night type song. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, I love reason to live. I'm from that very, I'm loving it. I'm getting all misty eyed. <laughs> So, so uh, yeah, Reason to Live, number one for me. It's number four for me, and that's not taking away from this song. This is eighth grade, middle school magic to me. This is, you know, being in love with Stacey Smith and not having the courage to ask her to slow dance at a, at a middle school dance. This is a rock and roll ballad magic. The lick that Paul does or Bruce does at the end after the but it can't be your love and a winner. Oh my gosh. I mean, just here's my heart. You know, I love this song so much. Like you said, if this song comes on, just turn up the radio. And this is one of those songs. If you want to invite youngsters today into the world of KISS. Play this song. Put this song on a teenage movie or teenage Netflix show, and kids would be like, oh, that's a great love song. 
You know, it's it's a beautiful song. I'm shocked that this isn't back in the set list. You know, this would be a great. Older women would like it. Young kids would like it. It's a great song. Mm-hmm. You could have them dancing at the arcade or dancing at the prom in Stranger <laughs> Things, and yep. you know, and they're dancing to "Reason to Live." Uh, yeah, "Reason to Live" is a great song. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of, kind of, kind of suspended there for just a second. It just just thinking about it. It really is mm-hmm. good. Okay, so that brings us to the top two. If you've been playing along, when we say what the next song is, you'll know what the number one song is. And I love when people say they're playing along and they send me their lists. I just think that's so cool. Um, So uh, what you got predicted for number two? I thought the panel would choose Turn on the Night. Okay. I predicted they were going to choose My Way. I just thought that that was a generally more liked song than it was. I've always heard people say that they like My Way. Um, at 605, breaking into the 600s, at 605 points, at number two, the panel chose Crazy Crazy Nights. So, 16 panelists, Jay Spence Metal, Tony P, 318 KWS 40, Sam Loomis, Vincent Maroon Author, Mike and Fresno, Aiden Pro Dalton, Jay Lee, Tom S, Jeremy Cremona, Greek Freak, Marty White, Sandy Graziano, Emily Graziano, Pins Fan 77, and Two Gay Dads pick Crazy Crazy Nights as their number one song. I pick Crazy Crazy Nights as my number five. Uh, Crazy Crazy Nights is one of those songs that it is summer in a song. Um, it is your typical 80s party. I've got in my notes, it is the soundtrack of summer. These are Crazy Crazy Nights. And I remember partying when I was 18 years old to this song. I remember at 18 years old having my own car and being able to drive myself around and having a car that, had, like I said, had my mullet that you saw earlier uh, and, and having the car that I had, plus playing in a band too, being a drummer. Man, I could not keep it off of me. <laughs> so, um, and and this was one of the songs. It was on my... Uh, I probably had a tape somewhere that had this song on it. I didn't have this album, but I probably had a tape that had this song on it somewhere, a mixtape. And uh, Crazy Crazy Nights, man. I mean, love it or hate it, it's a great summer song. And uh, I love the way it starts off. It's like, here's a little, here's a little song for everybody out there. <laughs> People try to take my soul away. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just like, this. it's just one of those, you know, they try to tell us we don't belong, that's all right, we're me and strong. I mean, it's this is an anthem, and this is a summer oh. anthem. And yep. This is Kiss's Rock and Roll All Night. Of the, they were trying to make Rock and Roll All Night of the 80s, and uh, I think they succeeded. I mean, this song did, is still... Dare I say it's better than Rock and Roll All Night? <laughs> uh, you know, this song is still popular to this day. It's one of the songs that... If you play this song, they're like, oh, people be like, oh, I know that song, yeah. Even mm-hmm. if they're not Kiss fans, they know Crazy Crazy Nights. And uh, that's good video, too. Videos, I hadn't mentioned my little thing here, but I've got this. We were talking about this before. My tape that's got Turn On The Night, Reason To Live, and Crazy Crazy Nights on it. Um, I bought this. 
in a store for three bucks and I've never played it because I I'm gonna have a I can fix it video about me fixing a VCR player. So there you can, go. So I can play my Kiss Crazy Nights and I can play my Extreme Close Up whenever I do get them. Whenever I get Extreme Close Up, I've also got my oh my Chewbop fell over. I've also got this I want to watch too. That's a little bit later on era, but I've got that I want to watch too. Put that right there for now. So, where is uh? Let's see, Crazy Nights for me is number five. Okay, it's number three for me. I had to celebrate because now I know what number one <laughs> is, and I can't be happier about number one. I agree with everything you said. This is a Friday night song. This is a Friday day song. This is summer and Fridays. That so well packaged. And this is a this is a call to arms Kiss fan song. You know, this is our music. We love it loud. It's it's makes you I just got goosebumps thinking about it. This song makes you proud uh -huh. to be a Kiss fan. It's, you know, the world's against us, but together we are bigger than anything, you know, that could come your way. And it just makes you proud to be a member of the Kiss Army. I know it sounds odd to say that in the eighties, but this is a great reflection of that that magic, that power, that, you know, shirts with the KISS logo that's just giants and people can place you as a KISS fan. This is the song. Great riff, great hook, great fun. Mm -hmm. And nobody's going to change me because mm -hmm. that's just who I am. Yep. All right, so if you've been playing along, you know what's number one. Rick knows what's number one because he done broke into the happy dance over there. So um, what was your prediction for number one? I thought it was going to be Crazy Nights. Me too. Crazy, Crazy Nights. Crazy, Crazy Nights. Um, I thought it was going to be Crazy, Crazy Nights too. Which, do you like the fact that they call Crazy, Crazy Nights, Crazy, Crazy Nights? I mean, the albums, I just think one crazy would have been, would have sufficed. I think it should just be called Crazy Nights to me. Me too. Because I don't know why they called it Crazy Crazy Nights. Because if you're going to go by the actual chorus, it would be Crazy 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 Nights. <laughs> you know, which I think somebody think you're having a stroke if you start doing that. <laughs> crazy 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 Crazy. You know, it's like <laughs> no 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 no. <laughs> bang 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 bang. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's like you're having a stroke, man. <laughs> That's awesome. uh, but no, I, I, Crazy Nights, I, I, it's one of those songs I feel kind of stupid saying the name, even though I love it. I, I, I think I always just call it Crazy I call Nights. it Crazy Nights. I do not call it Crazy Crazy Nights. I, I say, I'm, and i probably done it when we were talking about it, I call it Crazy Nights. That's the name of the yeah. damn album. It should be uh -huh. the name of the damn song. We need to start a movement of Crazy Nights. Yeah, Crazy That's Nights. And, one, and something else, too, we mentioned getting in before we get into that. Number one, I like, you talked about this album cover earlier. I like this. I like that they did this. Mm -hmm. I like that they did the logo around all four corners the way they did and that it's Crazy Night's Kiss and then Crazy Night's Kiss and the way, the way it's, the way it, they designed that. This is actually not a pretty, I mean, it's very 80s, but it's actually a very decent album cover. And was this the first album to use the Takara? Since Hotter Than Hell? I think it was. 
If I'm not mistaken, somebody can probably tell us in the comments, but I think it was. All right, so we both thought number one was going to be crazy nights, um, but with 637 points, at number one, the panel chose Turn On The Night. Um, 15 panelists, Ray Kelly, Scotty Sky, AJ Zetro, Tom Dust, Kimchi Chris, R.C. Campbell, Darren Helliwell, Andy, Katie Christina, Travis Mulgard, Indy Colt 777, Gregory Pegg, Hard Rock Revere, and Jay Reed picked Turn On The Night as their number one song. And where did you pick it? Number one. Number one for you. So you're part of those 15 panelists. I picked Turn On The Night as number four for me. Um, this is another one of those songs that me totally dieting on just this one album this last week has caused me to like this song more. I remember initially I hated this song because it starts off and it's got synthesizers. And even though it's a much more upbeat song, that whole da -na -na -na, it reminds me of an upbeat, faster version of Bon Jovi's song, She Don't Know Me. Mm -hmm. She don't know me. It's got the same, it's the same melody. It's just mm -hmm. sped up. But, um, but it, this song to me, this is summer. That I got what you want. Da -na 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 -na, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 and, and when I hear turn on the night, whenever they break into that, that, that course, turn on the night, I see Ralph Macchio kicking boards into and doing the dragon the thing and uh I, it's it's montage but it's 80s fun and that's what this was at least they embraced it and if i can say this they captured it they captured mm -hmm. that 80s summer fun which i think is what they were trying to do um people like i said people a lot of times these days make the mistake of doing what i used to do they tried to look at this album in the context of now. Has this album aged very well? No. This album is very 80s. But if you take your blinders off and you go back and listen, unless they're the big, huge hits, a lot of 80s songs have not aged well. They're 80s. Uh -huh. um, and that's okay. That's okay. Uh, but yeah, for me, Turn On The Night is um, number four. And I turned this one up too, man. I've... I can't wait, can't wait any longer. I mean, I I love that that you know the positive, yeah, and the feeling keep getting stronger. So I, I do like this song, uh, number four. Yeah, it's number one for me. I think it's the best song on the record. I think this is probably one of the greatest '80s songs post "Lick It Up." Anything on "Lick It Up." Like, post, look it up. This is probably the greatest 80s Kiss song. This is Friday night, driving around with your friends, thinking you're cool, and you're not. And you end up at the video store, renting Kiss Exposed, and just going home. But this song makes you feel like a rock star. And that's the beauty of it. Such a good, good song. Yes, yes it is. Yes it is. All right, so to recap, <clears throat> number 11 the panel chose bang bang you number 10 when your walls come down number nine my way number eight hell or high water number seven no 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 number six thief in the night number five good girl gone bad number four i fight hell to hold you 
Number three, reason to live. Number two, crazy, crazy nights. Number one, turn on the night. So, and I know a lot of people were really petitioning for turn on the night to be the number one song on social media. I saw a lot of that. Uh, people were really hoping that it was going to come out on top. And so there it is. There you have it. So, if you're watching this, get down in the comments section there. Let's talk about it. Talk about what you like about the album, what you don't like about the album. What songs, what song is, you, if you're part of the panel, mention why your favorite song is your favorite song. If you wasn't a part of the panel, and I did have somebody come in really late, like their, their vote literally came in as I was sitting down to record this with Rick. And I'm sorry, you know, if your name wasn't on it and you came in real late, um, I think it was uh, Luis Maladino, I think, maybe. If that was you, I'm sorry. <laughs> but we were getting ready to start recording, and I couldn't have got you in. Uh, Friday night, Eastern Standard Time, midnight Friday night, Eastern Standard Time is the cutoff, guys. i got to have time that Friday night, and I usually start on Friday night and into Saturday uh, to to get ready for, um, to, for us to film this on Sunday and then edit it and get it out on Monday. So um, so it's a pretty tight schedule. So that's why I have to have that cut off at midnight. Also, I saw a couple of you mentioned on YouTube that your vote did not show up. Y'all were texting me. Y'all, you guys were texting me and saying, hey, I'm putting in my vote, but it's not showing up. If you put your vote in, I'm going to try to check that a little better. YouTube was holding it as possible spam. Uh, a possible questionable content, and I don't know why, but I saw all of them, and I even put a pin post on there saying that I saw your votes and you were counted. Um, so, but that's all we've got for this one. Interact down in the comments, give my buddy Rick a share or subscribe, and go over to social media and look for the next panel album. Hot in the shade. Mr. Rick. Rick's going to have a lot of fun with this one. Uh-huh. It's going to be hard. It's going to be like ranking my children. I don't have children, but it's going to be hard. And it's going to be hard for me, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be hard for me, too, because I hate this record. No, actually, actually, uh, at least I will admit Hot in the Shade and, and Crazy Nights were low points for me. But I will give Hot in the Shade the same treatment that I gave Crazy Nights. And, um, and I will admit Hot in the Shade is not a good record. I, under, I understand that. It's just very special. And unless I find one between here, between now, and when I film this video, I will not have a Hot in the Shade representation behind me because I do not own Hot in the Shade at all, period. In no way, shape, or form do I own it. Never have owned I, it. I've never stumbled it in the wild on vinyl. Never. I had to, I had to buy it off eBay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be doing some eBay searching, and I'm going to be looking for that uh, exposed, and I'm going to be looking for... Um, I'm going to look for Hot in the Shade and see if I can get it in here, but until then, I'm going to be streaming it on you Amazon. Get the, you can get the blue, translucent blue vinyl. I can. I can. I can go to Sound of Vinyl and get the blue translucent. I may do that. 
I may do that. It's my birthday coming up. April 14th is my birthday, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm next week as well. Awesome. Aries boys, that's why we get along so well. <laughs> Every guy that I've ever met that I feel like he's a brother from another mother, they've always been Aries. There's a guy I work with. He's essentially my twin when it comes to our personality, how we handle things, how we feel about things. And he's Aries too, man. It's like something about Aries guys, man. We we get each other. We really do. Mm. All right. So that's all we've got. So jump on social media. Find that Hot in the Shade post. Get your list in before um, it's going to be. It's always going to be a Friday. So I don't know what the exact date is. But it's always going to be a Friday before midnight. And the 10th. Okay, so the tenth. So get you get it in before then, and get down in the social, get down in the comments, leave comments, visit Rick's channel, and give him a subscription and a and a bell notification and thumbs up. So that way YouTube will distribute. You you guys are Kiss fans. You want us out in more of Kiss world and more YouTube world, and you want us to. To, for our message and things that I say and things that he says and any other KISS channel, and there's a lot of good ones, hit that like button because the like, the thumbs up, is what gets that algorithm kicked off. And the more thumbs up it sees, tagged along with a play, the way the algorithm works, part of the way it works, it works in a bunch of different ways, but click that thumbs up button because... That's what gets us out there a little bit more to the masses and we can spread the gospel of this band that we all love so much. Anyway, that's all I've got. Rick, you got anything, man? No, this is a lot of fun. Thank you again for letting me tag along. Hey, man, I'd, uh, I would not want to do this without you. I don't like doing it without you. It ain't as fun. All right, so that's all we've got. Brand Within My Head channel. We'll see you in the next panel video. Thanks for watching.